The following is my conversation with Frank Wozniak, a Nobel Prize winning physicist who has written a book about the strategies used by animals and humans to get ahead. In it, he discusses the various pitfalls that can befall those who attempt to forge their own path in life. I had the pleasure of speaking with him earlier today and found him to be extraordinarily insightful and entertaining. Let's get started. Thank you to our sponsor, Spagnoli Prisciness. Please enjoy your extravagant French hair care products. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Professor Frank Woodsack, and we're going to be discussing his book, Ploys, out of taking advantage of human nature. So for those of you who don't know what that is, can you tell us a little bit about it? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Ploys is about the different strategies that animals and humans use to get ahead in their environments. There are a lot of different examples in there from little things like cunning to bigger things like physical outposts, like physical outposts. And what made you decide to write this book? A lot of it was a reaction to the way that science has been changing over the last few decades. I was becoming incorporated, easingly disillusioned with the way that scientific progress was being reported, and I wanted to do something about it. Ploys is my attempt at doing that. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that's what the book is all about. So let's start off by discussing some of the little tricks that animals use to get ahead. For example, we often talk about cunning as a tool that animals use to get ahead. Can you tell us a bit, a bit more about what cunning is and why it's such an important tool? Cunning is basically the ability to outsmart your opponents. It's a very important tool because it allows animals to survive in their environments and compete with other animals for resources. For example, if you're trying to catch an animal, you have to be cunning enough to figure out how they're going to escape. That makes sense. And can you give us an example of an animal that uses cunning really effectively? Sure. One example is cheetahs. Cheetahs are the fastest land animals on earth, and they use cunning to catch their prey. They'll chase down their prey until they're close enough to catch them, and then they'll attack from behind. That sounds pretty smart. And do you think that cunning is unique to certain species of animals? Is it something that only certain groups of animals can do well? No, I think that cunning is a general skill that all animals use to some degree. For example, wolves are very cunning, and so are chimpanzees. And so are chimpanzees. That makes sense. And what about physical outposts? Are there any species of animals that use physical outposts more than others? Yeah, I think physical outposts are definitely an important strategy used by some animals. For example, elephants use their trunk to grab branches and trees, which gives them an advantage when they're competing for resources. Um, an advantage when they're competing for resources. That's definitely true. And do you think that physical outposts are something that humans can learn from? I think that physical outposts are something that humans can learn from, but they have to be careful not to rely on them too much. Mm -hmm. For example, if an elephant doesn't have enough food, they might stop eating tree branches. So it's important not to get too cocky about your physical outposts. That makes sense. And do you have any other examples of animals that use physical outposts? Yeah, I do. For example, primates use their hands and feet to suspend themselves in the air and swing from one tree to another in order to access high up fruit trees. Orangutans use the tips of their fingers to extract termites from nests underground. Those sound like really clever strategies. Is there anything else that you want to share about cunning or physical outposting? <laughs> no, I think those are pretty old examples of the different strategies that animals and humans use to get ahead in their environments. Thanks for asking. 
No problem. Mm. So let's move on to some bigger strategies. One of the biggest strategies that animals use is stymieing their opponents. Mm. Can you tell us more about what stymieing is and why it's such an important tool? Uh, stymieing is basically the practice of preventing your opponents from doing what they want to do. For example, if you're trying to catch a bird in flight, you have to stymie them by getting in their way, um, by getting in their way. That makes sense. And can you give us an example of um, animal that uses stymieing really effectively? Yeah, one example is lions. Lions are ambush predators, which means that they wait for their prey to come into range before they attack. So by blocking the path of their prey, lions can minimize the chances of them escaping. And do you think that stymieing is unique to certain species of animals? Is it something that only certain groups of animals can do well? No, I don't think that stymieing is unique to any species of animals. Mm -hmm. For example, mosquitoes use stymieing tactics when they're trying to avoid being eaten. They'll fly into your face and try to get under your clothes so they can't be eaten. That sounds like a really clever tactic. And do you have any other examples of animals that use stymieing effectively? Yeah, I do. For example, snakes use stymieing tactics when they're trying to kill prey. They'll coil around their prey and squeeze until the prey dies from asphyxiation or suffocation. Or suffocation. Those sound like really clever strategies. Is there anything else that you want to share about stymieing or snake baiting? Mm -hmm. I think those are pretty all examples of the different stymieing tactics that animals use to get ahead in their environments. Thanks for asking. No problem. So let's talk about one of the most effective ways that animals can get ahead, sly subterfuge. Can you tell us a bit about this strategy and why it's so important? Sly subterfuge is basically using hidden methods or tricks to get what you want. For example, if you're trying to rob a bank, you might try to sneak in through the back door without being noticed. Or if you're trying to seduce a woman, you might try to dress up in disguise. That makes sense. And do you think that sly subterfuge is something that humans can learn from? Yeah, I do. For example, when Muhammad Ali was fighting Sonny Liston, he used a lot of sly subterfuge tactics to win the fight. He would disguise himself as a janitor, or he would disguise himself as a janitor, or he would wear big sunglasses so nobody could see his eyes. That's definitely true. And do you have any other examples of animals that use sly subterfuge effectively? Yeah, I do. For example, some spiders use sneaky subterfuge tactics when they're trying to catch their prey. They'll build a web out of thin strands of silk so they can trap their prey without them even knowing it. Those sound like really clever strategies. Is there anything else that you want to share about sly subterfuge or spider baiting? No, I think those are pretty old examples of the different sneaky subterfuge tactics that animals use to get ahead in their environments. Thanks for asking. No problem. So. Finally, let's talk about one of the main hazards of living in an ecosystem, trichloroethylene. Can you tell us a bit a bit about this chemical and what dangers it poses to both humans and the environment? Yeah, trichloroethylene is a powerful industrial solvent that's been used for years in manufacturing plants and elsewhere. But recently, there's been growing concern over its effects on the environment. Why is that? Is that well, trichloroethylene can contaminate groundwater supplies with dangerous levels of chlorine, which can contaminate drinking water sources. We can contaminate drinking water sources, and it can also damage agricultural crops and disrupt the reproductive systems of animals. That sounds like a really dangerous chemical. Hmm. And do you think that trichloroethylene is something that humans are directly responsible for? Yeah, I do. 
For example, some studies have shown that people who work in manufacturing plants are more likely to be exposed to trichloroethylene than people who don't work in manufacturing plants. That's definitely true. Do you have any other thoughts or advice about how we can address the dangers posed by trichloroethylene? <laughs> yeah, I do. One suggestion is to try to reduce the amount of chlorine that's used in manufacturing plants. Another suggestion is to try to protect groundwater resources from contamination by trichloroethylene runoff. Thanks for asking. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Thank you for coming on the Luxman Artificial Podcast. Frank Wilczek. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Lexman Artificial Podcast, Frank Woltzek. In this episode, we talked about stymieing and snake baiting tactics used by animals to get ahead in their environments, as well as the hazards of trichloroethylene. Do you have any thoughts or advice about ways we can address these dangers? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, we'll end the podcast with a poem today read by Frank Woltzek. It's called The Toad. By the roadside in a puddle, five toads wait for flies. They keep their eyes on the movement. <laughs> And soon the poor fly is drowned.